0: We finished recording Ditkoology, and then Lan proposed a wild
1: idea. Yeah, I suggested we pull a little Freaky Friday. I saw this ad for an app called Swapy. Swap minds with anyone, it said. So we tried out the free version.
0: A lot of ads so far, but so far it's worked as promised. Well, Lan,
1: what's it been like being white? Great, can't complain. I can lie now. I could lie before, but now almost no one ever doubts me. It's fantastic. I get to lie about anything, anytime. How's being brown?
0: I feel a sense of place in the world.
1: My connection to my
0: family is so much stronger. You know, that goes for both my immediate and extended family. You know, not to say it's all peachy all the time, but I feel this new sense of belonging. So, you're really enjoying the Switch? God, no, I miss lying. I'm reversing the Switch. Welcome back to midnight grappler animals home of flub nation i'm your host lan and this time it is actually lan and with me is a man whose consciousness was briefly switched into my own but has now been restored to his own body as all good stories end up doing we end up with a reversion it's salt and bank
1: Woo!
0: i'm back in my own body i'm
1: white again
0: yeah so um last time we had Ditkoology, and that was a a good a la carte selection of uh, Ditko's works, but we left out a a very particular Ditko creation, and I figured, well, what better way to make up for that than covering not the character that he created, but, well, I guess also another character he created. Long story short, it's been ten years since Superior Spider-Man came out, and... It seems that no one's learned any lessons from it. So, uh, I figured I would put Salt through uh, the trials of reading Superior Spider-Man just to get an idea for how the discourse has and hasn't changed uh, in the ten years since. Salt, uh, I sprung this on you, and then you sprung an even wilder thing on me, Uh can you please tell the class uh, <laughs> about your experience with Spider-Man, <laughs> or lack thereof? I should say.
1: Yeah, I hadn't read uh, almost any Spider-Man uh, before this. I yeah, I, I remember I had something. I took a chance on it in like 2012. CBR or somebody said the book is at its best yet and it was so forgettable the the one issue I bought like I I, I Didn't do it again. There 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 are a couple random things from the 80s and 90s. I've read I think the one that Really stuck with me was um, Bernie Wrightson's spider-man Hookie. Do you know that one? Mm, Yeah, I do But that's more just because I love Bernie Wrightson, right? But I know I've never really been a, a monthly Spider-Man reader, so th- this was a fucking trip.
0: Yeah, you got a hand in your cred, man. After this one, <laughs> we've been we've been parading around for all, over half a year now. You know, <laughs> I'm a fraud. You being, everyone thought you were a savant of comics, and it turns out that you're no. Not,
1: so. I've I've been saying on almost every episode, I don't read comics, and <laughs> people need to pay attention. Actually, listen to uh. me. <laughs> The Venom one was so reader hostile, and even though there was a lot of continuity stuff to unpack here, I, I actually was able to keep up with everything pretty well. I, I didn't have to go out to Wikipedia even once. Oh, nice. That's actually
0: uh, really good. Yeah. You know, this is not only uh, a trial for me in that this is me revisiting Superior Spider-Man after, I think I said seven years the last time we talked about this. Uh, but for you, it's the trial of experiencing it the way that someone in 2013 would have ex- been experiencing it, essentially.
1: Right, right. And it, it's like a 2013 person too, like more offline since I can't see Dan Slot's Twitter, even before I got banned.
0: I'm still keeping my streak strong of not having been blocked by, by Dan Slot. Yeah, you gotta keep uh, that going. I gotta keep that going, at least until I also inevitably get banned off of Twitter.
1: We we do have some housekeeping I want to yes. address before we get in. Um, shout out to new Patreon subscriber, Jeffrey B. Glad to have you here. Yes. Hope you stick around. Thank you. Thank you. Also, shout out to all of you. Big team effort. Couldn't have done it without you. We crossed 1,000 listens for Holy all crap. of our shows. Yeah.
0: That's pretty that's cool. Huge. Yeah. Now, if we can it's only huge. do Now if we can do a thousand listens per episode, that would be fantastic. So that, tell you. That your is
1: you Yes, that's your challenge, listener. Get on it.
0: That's your trial. Everyone's going through a trial this time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And also da, 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 breaking news, folks. Uh Miss Marvel is back and she's more mutant than ever. Two months ago she died and now She's not dead, and she's a mutant now. Could you believe it, guys? Could you believe it, folks? Could you believe it? (laughs) Women, children, (laughs) non-binary people. (laughs) Could you believe that this character that died in in a Big 2 comic came back within not even three
1: months? (laughs) Steve Ditko made the mistake of lecturing people about objectivism when he should have lectured people about object permanence see what i did there
0: oh yeah yeah the uh, revolving door of death in comics has struck once again and surprising absolutely no one except for i don't know spider-man fans <laughs> i guess uh yeah she's back now as a mutant uh by the time we're recording this episode uh it's already been teased and well the mini-series where she comes back as a mutant has been announced and by the time the public hears this episode the resurrection probably would have happened at the hellfire gala
1: you can't you can't keep a character dead if they're joining a cinematic universe
0: just just can't allow that it's almost as though this entire thing was planned for the release of the marvels out this november folks who knows <laughs> Who knows if we're actually going to see it no- this November? We don't know.
1: <laughs> Speaking of strikes, I want to play for the dear listeners at home a real good, uh, a real feel-good segment. Mm. Have you have you heard this? Ron Perlman's uh, comments.
0: Yes, I have. They're yeah. fantastic.
2: Listen to me, motherfucker. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. Some of it is financial. Some of it is karma. And some of it is just
1: figuring out who the fuck said that. And we know who said that. And where he fucking lives. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people. You wish that families starve while you're making 27 fucking million dollars a year for creating nothing. Be careful, motherfucker. Be really careful.
2: Because that's the kind of shit that stirs shit up.
1: Thank you, Ron. Uh, Thank you, So Ron. true, King. Thank you for going off. Shall we dive into Superior Spider-Man?
0: Sure. So this is, if you've read the title correctly, this is the first part. So we're not actually covering the entirety of the run. We have more to say. We have so much to say that there is a sicko's cut of this episode just for this episode. And we'll still have more to say on top of that. So this is part one. For part one, we've read... Amazing Spider-Man number 600, number 698, 699. I made the mistake of reading 699.1. We'll get into that very briefly. Uh, (laughs) 700. And then the first 16 issues of Superior Spider-Man.
1: 10 of which I was able to read legally. Thanks to the libraries. Good old libraries. Shout out libraries. Okay, so, picture
0: things around October 2012. Spider Comics uh, had been in a weird place in the lead-up to Superior. Uh, It needed a proper return to form. And uh, the return to form we got was in the form of uh, Spider-Man getting killed off and getting replaced by Doc Ock in the body of Spider-Man. Let's get into it. I'm gonna shift the time a little bit. We're in October of 2012 now, thanks to the shitty system we have with solicits uh, that force publishers to reveal what books they're putting out three months ahead of time. Uh, We got the announcement that Amazing Spider-Man would be rebooting as Superior Spider-Man in January of 2013. The only news we got at the time was that, that there would be a reboot, And that there would be a new suit. Nothing else than that. Uh, The suit itself was designed by Ed McGuinness. And ended up debuting in Shadow. uh, In a panel of Daredevil number 21. Uh, And believe it or not, this was actually a really well kept secret. Uh, They managed to keep it under wraps. I think it was only like a a week or two before the actual issue that revealed it. That uh, we got the identity reveal leaked before that there was a very brief period of speculation which was actually exacerbated by slot himself salt you want to read this tweet that dan slot put up very briefly and then
1: deleted at ryan stegman think we need a patch on page 19 there's a thing miguel can do with his eyes i'll send you reference dm me back when you get this so, this one tweet sent the internet in a in a
0: flurry, wondering, uh, Miguel O'Hara? Is Miguel O'Hara taking over for, for Peter Parker? Is that the superior Spider-Man? And this speculation lasted two months. Um, other speculation, of course, was Doc Ock, because by that point, the Dying Wish arc had started with Amazing Spider-Man number 698, and then Boxing Day 2012 happened, and Amazing Spider-Man number 700 came out. It was a big moment. It was so big that it received national coverage, uh, much in the same way that Ultimate Spider-Man's death had received national coverage uh, just a year prior. But this time it was being covered by places like USA Today. Uh, We also had The Hollywood Reporter, NPR, E! News, The Telegraph, CNN, and, uh, you know, all the the comic sites that usually cover this shit. So, this was a very, very big moment. January 9th, a new era began with Superior Spider-Man, number one. This book was a bi-weekly release, which means we got two issues per month, and lasted 32 issues, so pretty much just a year. And then Spider-Man was back to normal, believe it or not. Uh, but we're getting a bit too ahead of ourselves. Let's pull back to two thousand nine, actually.
1: Yeah, let's let's set the stage, as it were, with the Amazing Spider-Man six hundred. This is a uh, you know big celebratory issue, right? You know you're gonna see some, some various teams on here. Your writers and artists you're used to seeing, but, but lots of them all in one issue. And but the the sort of main story on here is would you call it the the death of. Uh, Dr. Octopus, or not the death, but... um,
0: Well, the reveal of Dr. Octopus's condition.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) you have a note here. Superhuman-induced CTE. (laughs)
0: Let's go!
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a very strange tone to be taking, because, you know, we're going to obviously continue to see these superheroes and supervillains pummel each other and they're going to be trading quips but then at the same time, this story is explicitly telling us, you know, this is all very serious and your brain is literally breaking in half from all these fights.
0: Yeah, it, it, it feels very much like a, one of those like post-9-11 stories where they started to get really, really serious about yeah. the comics, You know, where it's <laughs> like, all this all this fighting, it's giving you CTE. You know, <laughs> We don't know how much time you have left. You you really need to consider, you know, like being punched by a superhero, a super powered superhuman. You can only be protected so much by your arms, Doctor Octopus. But you've been punched in the head too much.
1: Yeah. So there's sort of two plots going on here. There's there's Doctor Octopus realizing he's dying, and you know what he's gonna, what what he wants to accomplish in his last days on Earth. And then that's kind of juxtaposed against the wedding of May Parker to J. Jonah Jameson's dad, to which we get a uh, a truly god-awful typeset page with the wedding invitation. I, I don't understand how Marvel can have such a huge art department and just... Yeah, this do you know is, the page I'm talking? About? It's
0: the credits page. It's the yeah, credits page. Yeah. They designed the credits page to look like a a wedding RSVP, and it's like uh, we'll post it in the show
1: notes. But it's a uh, it's, it's, it's a wreck. Truly a wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I thought everything about the wedding storyline was was boring and didn't didn't care about it. Um, but the the Spider-Man action stuff is is good. I think I, I'm not usually a fan of J.R. but his, his work is good here, and the the colors are really making it shine.
0: Like with a lot of the past decade and a half of Klaus Janssen, uh inking J.R.J.R., I'm not a huge fan of the inks, but like the line work is there, the line work is good, and uh, Dean White's colors are, are definitely the saving grace here. Um, I think without Dean White's colors, Janssen's inks would have looked... Way way worse on on JRJR.
1: JR. Yeah, the textured gradients are really cool and add a lot of drama to some otherwise mm-hmm. simpler panels. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we get like some flashbacks to to like the original fight with Doctor Octopus versus Spider Man and Human Torch's involvement.
0: There's some good character bits in here. Uh none of which are actually from Spider-Man. Actually, there's one there's one good Spider-Man moment, like Peter Parker moment where um there's this gag with the character Blindside, uh, where he tries to like blind Daredevil. The some of the the slapstick humor here is actually really really good. But uh I'm not a fan of the way he writes Peter Parker and Human Torch in this issue.
1: It's extremely soy. I it was really grating on me, and I thought I was going to hate everything that came after because of how soy it was.
0: Oh, honestly, I was a really big fan of how he wrote uh, Jay Jonah Jameson. Like, oh uh, yeah, there's a uh, one part where he's like, if this, if, if that's how your liberal rag wants to label the common man.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a great bit where he, you know, he's I think he's running for mayor, right? He is and- mayor at this point. Yeah, yeah, but he he's he ge- is, yeah. he's giving these press conferences, and I was like, "Damn, okay, Slot is like just echoing a lot of the the Trump stuff." But this is years before Trump announced candidacy.
0: Slot is really prescient with a lot of stuff. Like later on, yeah. there's a bit <laughs> where in in the main Superior Spider-Man run, there's a bit where he actually gets to the the titter stuff. Solid ten years before Musk covered up the W on the side of the Twitter building.
1: Wow. Dan Slott already had him beat to titter. <laughs> I really only have one note about this issue and it's it's how it relates to what comes later. But is there anything else you want to add to this?
0: Yeah, not really. I mean, like the, the only reason I, I put this issue down was just to give more context as to where this all began. The three big things up until Dying Wish or this Spider Island, and Ends of the Earth. You know, those get re- referred to a couple times uh, yeah. throughout. But, like, yeah, this is very much a nothing issue.
1: Um, I So there's one story note I really want to make note of in here because it, it will tie into our Superior Spider-Man read-through and my main criticism of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this story has Dr. Octopus taking over the city with advanced technology. His, I, his sort of grand scheme is he's going to use his advanced mechanization to make the city run much better than any sort of government official ever could and of course Spider-Man is out to, to stop him with the assistance of his friends like the Human Torch and such. Right. Uh, to, to undo Dr. Octopus's plans when they sneak into his lair Spider-Man somehow finds this advanced technological helmet. It has some kind of radio control that allows him to overwhelm and overpower the signal of dr octopus so spider-man puts on the helmet and then boom undoes dr octopus's signal that is portrayed to be as it is there are no wrinkles to that there are no side effects or or anything else going on there and I, i i think that's really key for for what happens between now and 98 issues later
0: yeah yeah like you said uh there isn't really much of an issue with it here. Like if it weren't for the implications of what happens again, 98 issues later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It it works great for here. Yeah. Um, should we get into 698 now that we've yeah, set Yeah, let's the stage? fast
0: forward. 698 issues. Uh, we're now in 2012. So three years have passed, 98 issues have passed, and we're now in Dying Wish.
1: Um, definitely our weakest artist of the bunch. I don't want to say anything too mean, but this is not the same quality I'm expecting later in the series.
0: Yeah, you're talking about Richard Elson and Antonio yeah. Fabella. I don't think I had as strong a reaction as you did, but I think my main complaint here is that it feels very, very clean and way too corporate. Which is like a horrible match for Spider-Man. Like when you look at all the other artists that we're gonna be talking about today, and then you look back at this, this feels like something that you would this feels like something that you would get out of a like a, a Subway tie-in comic.
1: That's exactly you know. the vibe, and I don't want to be too mean. I don't. I haven't seen the artist's other work, but it just feels like mismatched for what we're doing, like you said.
0: Yeah, and actually, I'll get into that with six ninety nine point one because he also illustrates that. But um, yeah, it's like a far cry from that too. So it's it's really weird. But the art is, I think, is my biggest issue with this.
1: The art is actually not my biggest issue. I, I really the writing okay. here, I think, really stinks. I'm not gonna hate on slot as much of as much as his like obsessive fanboys but there's a panel here that really upsets me and i we gotta kind of synopsize the issue how would you synopsize this this issue
0: uh, it's spider-man having the best day ever that's that's pretty much <laughs> that's it. what it is. And if you're wondering, wait, what's the catch? Uh, we'll we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, uh, he's saying he's have he's having the best day ever, and you slowly see the more he's talking to people, the the stranger he's acting, and you you realize by the time he gets the call, right? He gets this call. Doctor Octopus has a dying request. It he, is whatever he's got. The CTE is terminal. He's he's gonna die any CTE second he's acting up
2: my cte acting up
1: <laughs> he's having a cte flare up <laughs> you should uh you should go talk to him and then it becomes readily apparent that something's up and it's revealed that doctor octopus has already transferred his his consciousness into peter parker's body
0: and the peter parker that we had been following for the past issue was not actually peter parker it was Otto Octavius in the right. body of Peter Parker.
1: Yeah, this is a two-way switch, right? So the dying Doctor Octopus is the Peter Parker consciousness in that body. And so him saying Peter Parker over and over is him, you know, remembering who he is while also calling for his body to come back to right. him. It it actually makes more sense in the story. Yeah. The the thing that didn't work for me is is this panel where Doctor Octopus says I'm Peter Parker, right, the, the the Peter Parker in Dr. Octopus's body. And then the Dr. Octopus in Peter Parker's body says, Not anymore, Spider-Man. From now on, I am Peter Parker. I have all of your memories, I know everything you knew, I have your life and everything that comes with it. And you are now Otto Octavius, with what little time you have left, trapped in that broken body, brought about by years of your brutal beatings. And like a good magician, I shall not reveal my secrets. You will die, never knowing how I performed my last and greatest trick.
0: And would you believe what happens next, uh, next issue, folks?
1: If the magician gives up his trick, right. And I, I, that's what really annoyed me. I think just from a writing perspective, that doesn't work. It, it's, it's like you can do a really satisfying explanation of how they switched minds, or you can just say, don't worry about it. I just figured out a way to do it. Yeah, but I think he, both
0: are good options.
1: Yeah, but I don't think he really does either. He says, I'm not going to yeah. tell you. It's like, okay, so it's kind of a cop-out, but you know what, you're running with it, that's fine. But then the explanation we get later is, I think, the worst <laughs> explanation possible.
0: Yeah, for me, I think this issue works in a vacuum. Like, the twist is very good in a vacuum. You know, like, just with how it plays on on you being forced to recontextualize what you had read for everything up until that point uh but then yeah like it's what comes after that uh really starts souring this
1: yeah i i will amend my statement i think if this was how if this is what we're running with this would be a great issue yeah but Mm -hmm. in that context it doesn't work yeah so then I'm totally lost with all these point ones. Is there a point one or something I'm missing here? No, that's after oh.
0: 699. So we'll, okay. we'll we'll go into 699.
1: All right. So, yeah, 698 ends with I've got better things to do with the rest of my life and that's Doctor Octopus as Spider-Man being like, "Fuck you. I just watched my own body die. I'm going to go ahead." So, what where could this be going next if if you're just reading for the first time? 699. What what the hell happens here? <laughs>
0: Well, first and foremost, the art gets better. <laughs> I guess that's uh, that's one thing to to note. We've yeah, got Ramos uh, is good. Yeah, Humberto Ramos, uh, Victor Olazaba. Yeah, this is where things really stop working for me. It's, hey, me too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow! The <what a laughs> funk, <laughs> the funk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think my biggest issue with specifically the way that Peter Parker. Uh, is visualizing Otto or reacting to Otto, it takes a really long time for slot to actually learn how to work with that. Uh, so, like, here we have, you know, Peter visualizing the worst that could happen with uh, Otto and his body in it. I, I don't want to say, like, cuck shit, but, like, <laughs> it. we'll get into that with Superior Spider-Man proper. Uh, yeah, uh, there are some good moments in here. I think, like, Peter getting to visualize Otto's big moments is a good moment. I think, you know, having that sort of broken mirror aspect uh, was always a good juxtaposition. Uh, Like, this isn't just this comic, you know? Like, there was uh, the comic uh, that Zeb Wells had written, like, several years prior. Uh, It's Dr. Octopus Year One, I want to say that's the title. My memory is failing me. Oh no! But yeah, it, it, there are good moments, but gets just drowned by the dialogue here. I think the dialogue is is the big thing that's working against this comic.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of how Slot does dialogue overall. the The main issue I have with this issue, as it were is this is the big reveal. This is as you said, the magician the magician does reveal his secrets. And I I found this, like, just absolutely infuriating the way he did this. Because Peter Parker in the dying body of Doctor Octavius is like, how the hell did this happen? Think think think. How could he have pulled this off? And then he remembers all this stuff that happened in previous issues. He goes this must be when he found out he was dying, as we talked about in Issue 600. He Then he goes, when he put all of his brain patterns into his Octobots and used them to take over the city with his mind, and I did it again at the end of Spider Island, um, I, that helmet, with the helmet he was using to control the city, I wore it. And he's saying that every time he put on this helmet or interacted with these devices Octavius had, That Octavius was, like, essentially crawling into his mind bit by bit. Yeah. And there's so many reasons this does not work. Like, if you want to show not an instantaneous consciousness transfer, but a crawl, that's one thing. That could really work. You know, you have a character slowly acting more and more out of character. That could be really engaging. But... That's not quite what this is. This is saying, oh yeah, he was downloading his consciousness bit by bit, and that's been happening for 98 issues. So he's retconning his own work here. When that I don't know if absolutely I call
0: it didn't. Because I feel like this has been planned, like
1: ever since
0: 600. You know, like they they do talk about this in interviews and stuff that like Slot had come to Axel Alonso, who was the editor in chief at the time, with this idea to kill off Spider Man and. He had said it would start with six hundred and and go on for for that long, so like it, it was there in concept. I think again the execution is the big point of concern here.
1: I, I think it maybe it's not a retcon into it's unto itself, but it functionally works the same as a retcon because we see none of that intention in issue six hundred. Right. If we had if we had gotten a panel of Peter acting a little out of character and someone's noticing, wow, that's really. Or strange. even
0: like a, a like a single panel where something feels wrong, you know, like. Right,
1: uh, right, right. Then that would feel that that would feel right. That would make sense. I guess right. with with all of this, it's just like, why bother to say this has been going on for ninety eight issues? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's to get you to buy those fucking books, but. Storytelling-wise, it would make much more sense for Octavius to have flipped some kind of switch, right? Uh, that's yeah. that's about my, my biggest criticism for these books. Uh, the rest, I think, is pretty good, but I, I just couldn't believe how messy he did this.
0: Yeah, I think, again, it's another case where there are two options, you know, like either the gradual thing from that one moment or just a quick flip switch and... Um, right before you know like the the events of this comic and he doesn't go for either one yeah and i think he should have just settled on it being either a gradual thing or uh just the flip of a switch
1: i feel like we can talk about issues 699 and 700 as kind of a single unit but you might want to break them down piece by piece
0: 699 the only other notes that i have here is that we get this like segment where the lizard is confessing to auto which i found was really weird like uh, it's the kind of stuff that you it's the kind of stuff that would probably work better in another comic but it feels like they just lobbed it in here because they had nowhere else to put it um so i felt that was like very out of place uh, and then you have the ending which i honestly thought was a really cool thing where peter actually makes really good use of the resources that he has and initiates this suicide run, essentially, to get his body back. Yeah, it's pretty tight. Um, before we get to 700, uh, I made the mistake <laughs> of reading uh, 699.1 uh, just because uh, I was reading this on Marvel Unlimited. So I just like kept doing the next issue thing, and then the next issue uh, brought me to 699.1. I have nothing to say there. It's just a prelude to the Morbius series they were doing at the time. Uh, Richard Elson's doing art there. Uh, better art than in 698, I'll say. But that's about it. Yeah, 699.1. And you, do, you do not have to read it. Not even if you're a completionist. <laughs> Alright, so 700. The big issue. Oh my god. Think about it. Boxing Day 2012. You're coming off the high of receiving your Christmas gifts that year. I don't remember what I got for Christmas that year, but... Uh, uh, I'm sure it was something good. Uh, And you go into your comic shop. You you go in and and you're like, Hey, what's this? A big anniversary issue. What could possibly be happening here? You open the cover. And the first thing you're greeted with is the title Suicide Run. (laughs) Where do we begin with this?
1: I mean, I think we begin on on the first page. I mean, I I think this really kind of sets up the tone we'll be seeing with the superior series because these first pages have Mary Jane and Peter, you know, they're, they're meant to be relaxing at home, possibly getting into some romance, but some, some tension is, is quickly arising. She's like, is this a date or not? And, you know, they, they've been through that before, but then Peter is acting really out of character. Mm-hmm. He, he's saying, he's getting mad at her. You know, he's like, I'm Spider-Man. You've known that for years how is this getting in the way? Explain. Like, she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Um, And, and this is the beginning of people realizing Peter Parker is not himself. And I I think that kind of sets the tension for what we'll be seeing later. Yeah. He he can't focus on the date. He's like obsessed with like what, with, with what Dr. Octopus is doing at this moment, knowing that that's the real Peter,
0: which is honestly a really good moment. It's good. Yeah. There's there's more to say about the the whole MJ of it all, but we'll we'll get into that with the uh, main series. I I didn't mention this when we were doing six ninety nine, but Ramos's design for Octavius here, fantastic. The way that Ramos portrays like the Octavius body here is really really good.
1: I'm less hot on it, but I get what you like.
0: Yeah, like it's it's very much like the the whole husk corpse thing that like mm-hmm. yeah so there's this brief moment here where pete is like trying to revive Otto's body uh and he goes to heaven for a little bit which i thought was a little cute moment it's good yeah it's very good you know like it's it's we've seen iterations of pete Meeting Uncle Ben and, you know, like surmising, oh, I didn't do enough, this and that, like,
1: multiple times by this point. And at at this point, the the tension hinges on whether or not how Peter will get out of this bucket of syrup. And you right. think, oh, in one or two issues, he's going to figure out how to switch switch the minds back, right? So the fact that that is, spoiler, not the case, I think makes these, these scenes all the more tragic.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like, there's a brief glimpse of hope that Uncle Ben gives you, where he's like, you gotta go back down there and finish what you started. It's not your time yet. Um, Some good character bits here. There's, uh, again, uh, there's another Jonah bit here where he says, uh, the press parasites the lot of them. Miss Grant says back to him, Jonah, you used to be part of the press. And then Jonah replies (laughs) with, back when it was a bastion of integrity, Miss Grant. (laughs)
1: I do like how Slot writes Jameson a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, both they, Jamesons. Honestly, I think he he writes
1: really well. Yeah, put making them a, a sort of hawk and a dove, if you will. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> objective is JJJ. The art, I like. I keep
0: having to bring up the art here because the art truly is fantastic. Uh, like auto, pretty much ripping. Uh, scorpion's jaw clean off oh, that tight. segment was so tight there's a segment where Peter is showing Otto like flashes of his life through the lens of Otto's body like putting Otto in these moments and it's colored so so well the line work there is fantastic the art here really is good I know Ramos doesn't have his fans and for a while I think I, I that was me but then I got smart you grew got, you I learned grew. you changed Whoa.
1: I, I changed, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true Ramos head now. Um, I think w- one thing I really want to give Ramos props to here is there's heavy blacks throughout this series, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, sort of define the look you're expecting. But then when we get to the flashback segments, the the heavy blacks are almost—they're actually entirely gone. Even when a character is wearing all black, you're going to yeah. see some type of hatching. And Yeah, the hatching
0: is fantastic.
1: Yeah, the the hatching kicks ass, and there's a different coloring technique here. I don't know who the colorist is off the top of my head, but my point is, when we see Octavius experiencing these flashbacks, uh, it's it's a really nice contrast. It's just a good looking book. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this ends with you know they finally clash. The suicide run that Peter was leading with the villains catches up to Octavius, and then it it doesn't work, uh, which is you know a bit surprising if you don't know where it's going and but then peter's sort of last gambit is to transfer the the full depth of his consciousness to octavius and octavius in that hatched sequence we were talking about experiences all of peter's most heart-wrenching moments which is a catalyst for octavius to develop a sort of a, a morality if you will
0: uh this doesn't work for me <laughs> i well
1: i that's fair. It doesn't really work for me either.
0: Maybe this is like a bit too much of a nitpick here, but like, had Otto just been avoiding these memories up until now? Like, right. again, we know from previous issues that he had access to all of Peter's memories, yeah. uh, and it only just now occurred to him that <laughs> that these memories
1: were there too. We'll we'll be breaking down the. These issues as we go, we're not going to be going as in depth because this is really important for setting the stage. But I, I that I have a similar criticism. Like I think, like I, I found that Slot did not explore the the dynamic of, of being in someone else's mind as fully as he could have. I think there were a lot of interesting opportunities he just zooms right past.
0: Yeah, and I think especially with the moral compass shift here, I think it could have been a much more gradual. Like we do see a little bit of it where Otto in Peter's body is protecting Aunt May. Um, But, like, that's a one-off thing. I feel like over the past two issues, there could have been more to to really push him towards that cliff before pushing him off the edge and sort of, like, having him reckon with what it actually means to be Spider-Man.
1: Yes, slot really lacks strong objectivist principles, which is mm, why... Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> as you know, a, a pro-Randian podcast.
0: Yes, of course.
1: But I, I think he, he does suffer in the opposite direction, where everything's a little too relativistic, if, if that's a word. Like, the NYPD is portrayed as good and noble. They're the good guys. They're Spider-Man's friends. But then in other scenes, we have characters calling out you know, police violence, police brutality, and, and that's never really reckoned with. It's just kind of, hey, here I need the cops to be good guys, here I need the cops to be bad guys.
0: Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, like when Otto is going up against them, it's very much like an ACAB sort of approach. You know, like Otto <laughs> is very vehemently anti-cop. I've noted here that uh, that makes him a truly superior Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, Slot. I think his not to say that he's ambivalent, but it, it really is a matter of convenience insofar as how the police actually play into the stories like
1: these. Yeah, I, I I agree with that, and I I like that word convenience because. I think we can extend that to anyone's morality in this book. Like the villains, too. Like sometimes these villains are like terrifying and evil creeps, and then sometimes they have a shot at redemption. And it's like, yeah. it's very hard to make it both. And he kind of has, I it mean, that's, I feel way. like with villains
0: in particular, that's a, a thing that comics in general had really started to grapple with around that time. But I feel like we can just launch a whole other episode based on that, just whole yeah. villain redemption thing. Uh, yeah, I think those are my only notes on the main issue. Do you have anything else on the main story here? No, not Peter Parker is dead. Long live Peter Parker.
1: We we did it, folks. We, we did it. We got through all the preamble. And now yeah. we're finally at Superior Spider Man. We're only
0: an hour, (laughs) an hour and something. Depending on which cut you're listening to. Yeah, depending on which cut you're listening to. Uh, Uh, We've we've rambled, we've waffled uh, about for quite a long time (laughs) about these three issues. But finally, time to get into what we actually came in here for.
1: Yeah, so I read this a bit out of order. I actually started with the Superior Spider-Man stuff. I got about four issues into that before I realized, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to read the other stuff first.
0: Oh, okay. So, because my first <laughs> note about Superior Spider-Man number one is I debated starting you off here. And, okay, so I guess you did end up starting off there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I it would have been interesting if I had, like, only done that. I, I wonder if I would have felt better about it, you know? Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, my initial impressions of the first four or five issues is superior Spider-Man would be a self-described fluent in sarcasm Twitter guy.
0: The kind of person that Otto is here, there's this, there's this post in the Batman Arkham subreddit it's a very famous post at this point but it basically says why doesn't batman just call the justice league for help is he stupid <laughs> and i feel like that's a a good summary of of otto's rhetoric throughout yeah. this entire series
1: yeah i mean he's he's constantly calling peter a, a moron and a, a f- just a loser which which is great uh i I actually kind of like how he writes. I, like his Octavius as Peter is kind of annoying, but that's what works.
0: Uh, early on, I think the spoiler we we have a Peter ghost here uh, is very very annoying, but I think <laughs> by the time that he's about to exit, he finally gets the voice right for that Peter. Yeah. But like Otto, I think he he got Otto down pat from the very beginning.
1: See, the ghost, I want to touch on a bit. I I read too, yeah. Yeah, I had read reviews that had said the ghost shows up way too early, and I fully agree with that.
0: I think so too, yeah. I I mean, the Peter ghost is very much like... um... A vessel for the readers in many regards. You know, like, oh, Spider-Man wouldn't do this. Spider-Man can't be doing this. So on and so forth. But he's also, like, the vessel, essentially, to get things back to where they were before. You know, like, he is yeah. the the way out. So I think revealing that very, very early is a very tricky gambit. Just because you're really just setting people up to be like, oh, okay, so they're going to revert this very quickly.
1: Um, For that reason and others, I, I thought this... First five issue run was a bit of a slog. I can I can get into more of that. But what else, what other first impressions did you have? Uh, for me, this is well,
0: I guess second or third impressions at this point because yeah, <laughs> first impressions actually about the art here. Uh, Ryan Stegman is doing the art here uh, with the true MVP of the the run here, Edgar Delgado, who is the colorist for every single fucking issue of this run. Yeah, Ryan Stegman here looks very different from the Ryan Stegman that I know of nowadays. Uh, like, I'm talking about the Ryan Stegman from the Venom comics. Uh, yeah, this is like a very Joe Mad inspired
1: Ryan Stegman, and
0: I think it's very interesting just to see how far he's come in that regard, so... It's it's uh, very
1: similar to Ramos's art. There were a couple times where I actually looked at one and thought it was the other. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These first...
0: I want to say two and a half issues uh, were very rocky for me. Yeah. There are some good bits with Otto's brutality, uh, you know, like with his approach to how he deals with villains. Um, But everything with MJ, uh, it just felt very, very uncomfortable. Uh, And again, the Peter ghost plays
1: into that quite a bit. (laughs) Weird. Cuck stuff going on. A lot there. of
0: weird cuck stuff going on here. Like, the entire second issue is, like, some real big NTR cuck stuff. And, and, again, there there are some good bits. Like, the ending of that issue is actually surprisingly good after all that. But, yeah, like, the, the run-up until that was just very, very agonizing to read. Yeah, but that's the first... Those are the first two issues... Uh, And then the third issue, third issue is where I think things really started turning around for me, uh, just because of the way that Slot uses Otto's history to mirror his actions in the present. Uh, So, like in the third issue, we have this this confrontation with uh, the Vulture, and we find out that the Vulture is using literal children to, to carry out his crimes, and this is one of the few moments in these early issues where the Peter ghost works as a vessel to explore Otto's memories. Cause then we see Otto getting abused as a child. And then we see how that plays into his like heightened reaction to him finding out about the, the vulture children and how he reacts and pretty much brutalizes the vulture. And then we delve into, uh, a little story here that I I, I assume that you didn't really like uh, at all. <laughs> How did you know? Um, just because it doesn't even feel like a slot story. It's weird, man. Like I, I noted this down. This plot with this character massacre feels something like something out of a, a Mark Miller or a Garth Ennis book,
1: you know. It's so fucking weird, and it, to be doing it this early in the series is really strange. Yeah, I mean, I this, so there's a dynamic here that I, I really want to talk about with with this, especially with the early MJ stuff. Is this starting with issue four is where we really see how violent this can get. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, of course there was violent stuff earlier, but it, it's gonna get much darker and violent here. I think it's really. A missed opportunity too that slot go, or it says something about slot that slot goes so deep into the, the the dark violence, but only kind of flirts with the sex stuff like. I'm not saying I want to see Doc Ock as Peter railing MJ. I think that would be weird and disturbing.
0: And there's also just the discourse around that, you know, like...
1: I can only imagine.
0: And this is something that's existed for, for many, many decades, you know, just yeah, the ethics yeah. of someone possessing someone else's body and... Sure.
1: There is something you could do for the way he's like, even just his perceptions, right? There is a lot of. I mean, we're not in the Murphy verse, right? So we can actually like see what characters are thinking. And, yeah, and and the fact that like he's in like Peter Parker, the 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 modern Peter Parker, not the the original one, but this era Peter Parker is a hot, successful guy. I mean, successful enough that you know he's got a place, he's got a job. Yeah, he's um, an Avenger. Right, right. There, there's something he could be doing with that, with his, with uh, ox self-image, right, and like playing with this idea of how he he's seeing people and people he sexually desires. Like you, you'd had some incel notes, and and there is a little bit of that in here, but it's it's interesting that he he doesn't really know what to do with that. Versus,
0: especially the body switch too, you know, like just the, right. the psychology of of moving from, again, a a fat body to a physically fit, super-powered body. You know, like the psychology of how that affects... And again, we're we're, we're recording this, uh, I think, a week or two after that whole thing with uh, Jonah Hill and his own insecurities, and he could have done that here, you know, like... That's a great comparison. He's no longer in a spot where he feels this sort of shame about his body, but then he externalizes this previous shame as either misogyny insecurity and other regards right like there there are so many spots to do that here and slot doesn't seem interested in doing that
1: i I could i completely agree and I, i i wonder if it's coming out of a place of like fear like maybe he just he's he doesn't really want to tempt discourse people or you know, I dare I say,
0: I, I don't think it's that. Uh, no, no, no. I what I
1: really that. think it is is it's it's slots' own inability to write that well. I mean, my sort of biggest criticism of all of his writing I've experienced is he only writes superhero stuff. Like
0: he's a he's a good ideas guy. Like I'll sure. give him that. He's really yeah. really good at ideas. I've been saying this for years. Like I, I think. There should have been a point where they moved him strictly to a plotter or like a, an editor, sort of someone who feeds the ideas and works down the chain that way. But I think his execution is always the stuff that leaves things to be desired.
1: Right. I mean, it's, you know, if you take Fraction, for example, like Fraction has worked in lots of other genres. I'm not even a Fraction fanboy, but if we're talking about like younger writers... Who can write in different tones and styles like they're gonna have life experiences and stuff writing genres and styles that are are more than just superhero and then that can inform your superhero stories to have more nuance and character right but yeah massacre i this just feels like such tonal whiplash i mean what 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 do you think
0: uh Jesus fuck. <laughs> my, my entire reaction to, to yeah, this is, is that picture of the guy with the hands behind his head, just, what the fuck? Um, Slot goes buck wild here. There's a part where Otto just lets cops be cannon fodder for massacre while he saves people. There's the whole bit with like him attempting, I guess it's like, political commentary where like, Massacre is offering the CEO to essentially wear the logo of her competitor uh, while he goes and kills people in an effort to drive
1: down her competitor's sales. It's so fucking weird that the logo is... I mean, it's weird for multiple reasons, but it's it's stranger still that the logo is the 90s Marvel logo.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. Did you miss that? Yeah, I completely missed that on this read-through. Holy shit. I,
1: I could not figure out. Like, is it? I mean, it's probably just, oh, oh that that would be clever. But it's like, do you know what you're saying here? Like, it's really fucking weird, man.
0: Yeah, again, it's the type of shit that you would see in a Mark Miller comic.
1: Yeah, that's that's the vibe. Yeah, and then I it felt very discourse to me. Like, I, I avoid a lot of this discourse, uh, but it, when he, f- you know, executes Massacre, it was like, oh, should superheroes kill or not? Like, that's meant to be a discourse moment, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah these first five issues were a slog for me.
0: I think I, I'm a bit less down on these first five issues than you are but it definitely is the weakest of these 16 issues that we've read for this run
1: yeah just i want to mention common coley real quick he's Mm. he's great he yeah common coley's really good on this uh we have
0: john dell inking and again delgado still coloring uh i really liked common coley's interpretation of the peter ghost like yeah, was, it's very wispy. Yeah, Stegman's was very, you know, like, it, it's just Peter with different colors, essentially. But, like, Coley and Ramos, too, really take a, a sort of vision-esque approach to the way that they're handling the character. You know, like, Ramos is going for a more liquidy sort of approach, whereas is going for a more gaseous, wispy, like you said, uh, approach to how he's rendering the characters. Also, the way that all three of the artists here are doing the suit is fantastic especially with the eyes
1: common Coley's eyes might be my favorite cuz he makes the circles really small it's very pretty. yeah yeah but i know they're all great at the suit i mean that's not to put the other ones down they're they're all they're all at their their heights here but yeah issues 6
0: through 10 6 through 10 wow we uh actually let's do 6 through 9 cuz i think sure. that's the the real the, the real arc here so we have Spider Man getting pranked and he, he doesn't take to the prank very well. He brutalizes these two prank villains, Screwball and Jester. This issue is a nice reminder of how simple the internet was back in twenty thirteen. <laughs> you know, that was such a big fail.
1: You know, just the the titter gag is in this issue. It's funny that we go from this really dark serial killer thing to then, like, ah, the internet is innocent. Like, the internet's just, like, jokes and japes.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, Screwball and Jester, they're like the Smosh of Earth 616. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, you know, obviously it does get darker at the end, but... uh, Yeah, I, I, I think this is where the run really started to click for me. He's less of a caricature as this
1: goes on. Yes. Um... Like, yes. especially, I, I like the cardiac arc. It's mm-hmm. it, it's not doing anything exceptionally brilliant, but he is adding some depth to Doc Ock as Peter. Like Yeah, he, like, especially
0: yeah. with how he's reckoning for his previous actions. Like, when you find out that, uh, you know, like, the little girl is in that position because of what Otto Octavius did as Otto Octavius.
1: Right. Yeah, that's like, and, you know, of course he sees cardiac as, uh, as a foe, obviously. Um, but then when when he has that moment reckoning with his responsibility to that little girl, seeing Cardiac as an ally, like, it, it, you actually start to understand that Octavius does have a consistent worldview. And it even ties in a bit to what he was trying to do with 600. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is, th- there is something there, finally, <laughs> besides just like, I am the law, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it's good. Excellent gag from Slot and Ramos with Spider Man in the Spider Man suit, wearing the the surgeon gear oh, yes. over the Spider Man suit. So that's, good. That's perfect.
0: Yeah, and then we have perhaps the biggest issue of this first uh, this first half issue number nine.
1: This I, I almost became a slot stand here. This issue goes fucking hard
0: it's it, when it's so when Stegman, you, oh, oh, yeah, it is Stegman back uh, <laughs> back on our here. So we talked about this a bit when we were recording our bonus episode last week. And by that point, how many issues had you read? Because you told me, does Dan Slott write any good comics, or some <laughs> some something something to that degree? How many of these issues had you had read up until that point when you asked me that?
1: None. I didn't know. I didn't know he had it in him. I didn't know he had that dog in him. You that that octopus it. in him.
0: He's got that octopus in him. <laughs> um Yeah, this really is the highlight of this first arc. Um it's this sort of battle for for Peter's brain and body. You know, yeah, it's Peter like the Ghost, matrix. Yeah. Peter Ghost fights uh Otto in the mind's eye. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he's he's like, I'm going in. And I always love a character saying, I'm going in. It'll always work for me. And, you know, to round out the Matrix allegory, too, they're fighting in this, like, empty, rainy city... You know, I I, I am saying slot is, is cooking here, but I, I don't know if this would have worked without someone as talented as Stegman. I mean, Stegman's he, action oh, is spreads
0: so good. Like that initial spread when yes. he enters, and you've got like the clouds and the way he's doing the <laughs> line work there is all oh, so good.
1: It, yeah, it it fucking rules. Um, I would be very curious to see the actual scripts because mm-hmm. this issue in particular, they're on a, a really synchronous wavelength, writer and artist. Well, you know, he was um,
0: tweeting at him and then deleting his tweets as he did <laughs> in the
1: run up right. to this. Yes, yeah. those very real tweets. Yeah, I it's just I, I was thinking a lot about your comments about how Tynan can't do a double page splash very well, mm. and and just I, I think this is a good counter example of how a, a writer who doesn't draw can work with someone who draws to and bring out the best in them.
2: Yeah,
0: I think also in a in a grander scheme, I feel like this is a far better battle for like the the identity, I guess, than there was in Spider Man Seven Hundred. It feels like this should have been the finale to Amazing Spider Man 700. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'm glad we got it. You know, like, I'm glad we we, we did end up getting it. But, uh, my main point with this issue is that it feels like it's the most discourse-pilled issue of this entire run so far. We'll get into more about the discourse-pilled nature of this run later, but this feels very much like slot addressing the comments from fans being like, Oh, Peter ghost is our way out. Oh, Peter ghost is how we know that, you know, this won't be permanent. And, you know, slot looked at that and went, all right, fuck Peter ghost.
1: Right. The last five or six pages is a little bit too much like addressing the fans. You know, Mm. I was getting to a point where just, you know, trying to appreciate the art. I'm like, how well would these panels work if I just ignore the text? So I would read the page first without the, the dialogue. And then I would read it again with the dialogue, and the 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 dialogue is just so chunky in these last few pages. I, I think it really, like, like you said, it's just so discourse-pilled, and it, it kind of undercuts the more cerebral, like, s- surreal nature of what was going on before. It's right. it's a debate. I don't want this to end with a debate. I don't want this to end with punching and kicking and blood. <laughs>
0: Uh, It ends, uh, Peter Ghost is no more, and we finally get what we probably should have gotten uh, a bit earlier than this, with Otto finally being able to take the reins as the superior Spider-Man. It's just him and his mind now, and it's a new era beginning. And then we get issue 10, which was... uh, I don't really have many notes on issue 10. It's still Stegman. He's He's got uh, Cam Smith helping him with inks this time. The only thing of note I have here is that the cops are defending Otto, which I found was like some really... They're, again, uh, when we're talking about convenience here, the uh, cops defending a guy who's going around killing and brutalizing villains. Uh, really conveniently uh, anti-cop. Uh, and then we also have Jay Jameson, a true anti-fash. Arguing with his son, the objectivist J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs>
1: yeah, this this page asks the reader, what if Dove was cool?
0: Yeah, what if Dove was a, a 70-year-old man, sick as fuck, anti-fascist, <laughs> who's married to Aunt May? A little something for the Guilf hunters in the audience. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a romance here with a student from the school. That, again, it's just like, there could be interesting sex stuff going on here, and there's not. I don't really have anything to um, add.
0: I forget if there is more of it in the second half of this run, but it's definitely there in the Christos Gage <clears throat> run um, in 2019.
1: It's just, so... it's odd that we're getting, like, extremely graphic killings of you know both civilians and villains alike oh yeah <laughs> and, and then the the most of the romance gets notched up to is oh we kissed
0: he, he, he. <laughs> I kissed on a yes. counter
1: <laughs> e yeah, it's like what is this a who is this book for like what age group is this really for
0: a uh, 14 year olds it's I really guess. like especially with these issues
1: notoriously um, not horny 14 n- year olds <laughs> the, the, the
0: core audience of Marvel Comics <laughs> um uh, yeah anything else about number 10 no let's go cool. to 11 let's go to 11 uh my first note here is oh my god guys Christo's gauge is here we did it <laughs> <laughs> Christo's gauge is here for those of you that have watched the marvel 616 documentary uh at least while it was still on disney plus if you haven't you can only pirate it now thanks to tax cuts uh Sure hope we, we get a fix for that with these strikes. So there's there was that one documentary about the writing process or the creation process of Iron Man 2020 where uh, Christos Gage essentially just comes in to save Dan Slott's ass with uh, the scripting on that book. Uh, I'm not saying it's the same situation here, but we have a shift where Slott is just plotting... And Christos Gage is doing the script for these next, uh, I think, three or four issues. Yeah, uh, three issues, and then we have Common Coley, uh, Dell Delgado, on art, and another name that I forgot to mention earlier, but Chris Eliopoulos has been lettering all these issues, and he's been doing great. You know, um, shout out letterers.
1: I think this is some of Common Coley's best action work with these oh, fight yeah. scenes.
0: Also, the writing here, the script work here is fantastic. There's one where there's a there's a bit. Again, the J. Jonah Jameson bits here are all so, so good. But there's a, there's a bit where he's on the phone and, you know, he gets told, tomorrow it will be all over. And then, you know, Jameson replies with, not for me. These three issues deal with the execution of Alistair Smith, otherwise known as the spider slayer and this is honestly a really good focusing in on otto and j jonah jameson's relationship
1: yeah i mean at first you think they're going to be really tight because they have this shared resentment of spider-man and they are to an extent but the the events of this issue show what a prick otto is yeah, he... it really
0: shifts, like, their relationship, too. Because up until that point, Jonah's, like, very blasé about letting Spider-Man do what he wants. And then here we finally get something where the tables have, have really shifted on him.
1: It yeah, essentially starts to blackmail jo- uh, Jameson here, which is pretty tight. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the the end of my... My my fun with the series, as it were. I mean, it's it's not like it's 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 not terrible after this, but I I think I, I don't quite like where it goes after this prison issue, and I'm I am curious to see what happens in volume two.
0: Yeah, uh, I have a note about that later, but we'll we'll get to that with those two issues. This really feels like a, a climax in some regards.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like you said, the action here is fantastic, but like. This, these issues go really, really fucking hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, and they're they're more engaging. Like, there's some fucking great action beats here. Um, you know, we've we've been calling out everybody who who's doing their their work. The you know writer, artist, colors, um, the, the to set this final action scene at sunset, like when he has oh, to fight yeah. the the mecha zombified body of the Spider Slayer is good as hell. Oh, and
0: then him stunting on Smith as Smith is dying, yeah. Yeah. hard as fuck. I'm sorry to the haters. I'm sorry, but him stunting on a dying man—it
1: it's, it rocks. It rocks. There's a cool thing Slot does with his artists that start. I I meant to mention earlier. I think it starts around issue two or three, but uh, anytime there's a big fight, he really spider-man suit up in different ways mm-hmm. which is really sick so in one issue we saw the mouth get torn off in another issue the mask i mean in another issue we saw the eyes of the mask get torn off and in this one we see you know part of the hair sticking out and we see different parts of his arms sticking out it's just it's it's great it's really cool for the artist to be able to do and it, it, it keeps the character looking fresh
0: yeah the battle damage especially here is yeah. is really really
1: good. I think this is a good segue into the next issue. He's got these like he's got he's got the fucking venture brothers monarch army with him. They look more like fleas than spiders. It's it didn't work for me.
0: Yeah, the whole like him lording around his own army thing doesn't really work for me. Oh, also worth noting that Gage is no longer on the ...on the book at this point. It's just slot again. This whole issue is just him... ...launching an assault on Shadowland... ...which... ...if you don't know about Shadowland... ...that's a whole thing. Not a lot of good things to say there, but... uh, ...yeah, it feels very unlike... uh, ...what had come prior. This one feels a bit weird in that regard... ...where it feels like it's finally settling in... ...to being just a regular Spider-Man book... Uh, yeah that's
1: me? yeah that's another reason it doesn't work as well. I I think I agree with what you're saying about slot being an ideas guy, but he struggles with more original ideas he's good at taking stuff from the status quo and rearranging it, mm-hmm. it it's odd that we're in this rush to you know do this shadow land tie-in and the rest of this too will be a lot of goblin stuff i right. i didn't think the the goblin needed to be shoehorned into this story so much so fast it, i
0: think the the lead up to the climax was always with the goblin but uh You know, like, we do see a little bit of it earlier on, I think even around issue 4, right? But it feels like he's starting to go a lot harder on setting that up now, which, uh, again, this is a 32-issue run, so I guess I can see why he would start to escalate that, but I don't know. I feel like, uh, again, it's a lot building things up. Usually goes one of two ways. It either is done really, really well or it's like really, really sloppy and kind of gets thrown together at the last minute. Yeah, and there's really not much I can say about these two issues too. It's like a, a hobgoblin chase arc, if you will. Ramos and Olazaba, they're doing good work here. The one nice thing I, I can say is that uh, we really start to see that sort of perfect work-life balance that we saw in early issues start to slip with Otto. But yeah, it's like it's all right. It just lacks the energy yeah. that a uh, previous issue
1: had. That's that's exactly what it is and it's it feels odd to make this the halfway point. So, I'm I'm a little skeptical, if you will, going into part 2 if we'll be able to achieve the heights of like, you know, the Brain Battle issue.
0: But yeah, I think that is it for me. Anything else you want to say about this last arc?
1: No, no. Slot is really about as is as, as as mid as you can get, mostly. And mid, not saying like he's crap. He's just he's he's a corporate comics writer. Like, if you want to say that's hackish, that's that's fair. But like, there's nothing in his work to get really angry about. I think. Like, yeah, and, and that's
0: the <laughs> thing is like uh, there's there, there was actually. A, I forget if it was in a a letters column or if it was online while I was researching. There was someone who was like really this is what you're sending death threats over?
1: Right, right. Like I think the the dumbest thing he did was show how the brain switch happened, but it's just it just kind of sucks. Like it's it's not like this dude is is ruining characters legacies i mean people get really worked up over this stuff
0: it's it's remarkable and again when people are expecting this stuff to be reversed i just don't understand the need for rage and I, again this is what i i had been saying about the the recent stuff with miss marvel is like you know that she's coming back within a few months there's right no reason for you to be raising your blood pressure calling for zeb wells to be beheaded you know like it makes me feel like i'm losing my mind because it's the same reactions from 10 years ago and it it really it's a mixture of disappointment a slight bit of anger sadness just the fact that like no one's learned any lessons (laughs) People are still going to react to this shit the same dumb way that they reacted 10 years ago. People are going to still buy it the same way that they did 10 years ago. Uh, the same fucking discourse as 10 years ago.
1: I said in a much earlier episode of ours that, you know, the reason a lot of critics or fans, not all, you know, hashtag not all critics, hashtag not all fans, but the reason a lot of critics and fans can be kind of mentally unwell about this stuff is largely because they would rather be writing these characters. And I I think they mistake the concept of the idea with the execution of the idea. Mm. Octopus as Spider-Man is a fairly anodyne idea, like it's very similar to DC's Silver Age stuff. But as far as execution goes, it's it's pretty good. I mean there there's stuff that that I would like to see done better or explored deeper, but it's it's a monthly comic. What more do you want? And right. there's a badass art team on it. Like the the artists are the true heroes on this Absolutely,
0: book. Absolutely,
1: yeah. So you know, we wouldn't be enjoying this the same way without our Ramoses and and all of them, but You know, if what you're there for is to see the characters in action and to see that art and that it's it's great. Like the thing, I have plenty of criticisms of Slot, but what he does well is he knows how to let his artists shine. That's really all I'm there for. Um, So the fact that they saw that and they're like, oh, man, like that got to be the book and not my amazing idea. Like, that's what, what I think largely cracks their brains.
0: It's, again, the same stuff with, like, MJ and Peter getting back together. It's, it's mind-numbing. You know, at some point you just have to... I think the other thing is, like, fans see themselves as martyrs. Fans tend to see themselves as yes. just, like speaking truth to power, saying things that no other person has said before about this this travesty
1: that's happening to us. I was ready to hate on slot a lot more going into this issue going into this these issues in this episode. But seeing how fucking crazy these people are, it's like this is what you're getting mad about?
2: Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> just How do people I mean, I can see how people lack self-awareness, but again, people lack the self-awareness to realize that at the end of the day, they're, yeah, they are just one person. You know, like, there's no way, how do I say this? Uh, they they need to realize that at the end of the day, the goal is for Marvel to sell comics. Obviously, that means pissing people off, especially nowadays, Uh, where it it really does seem like they've capitalized on this phenomenon of rage reading. Everyone was talking shit about Amazing Spider-Man 26, yet people bought it. People read it. Because they wanted to see what happened, right? And Marvel knows that. You know, Marvel knows that if you do some dumb shit, and DC too, obviously, but Marvel knows that if you do some dumb shit in a comic, people will read it. It doesn't matter if it's pirated or not. You know, it will get shared around you know and people still end up falling for it like a bull seeing red more on that next episode (laughs) anything else we want to talk oh actually there's one more thing to cover before we close this very long episode out uh superior spider-man the first truly discourse-pilled comic of the 2010s uh my answer Um, is yes yours yeah i
1: mean yeah. Uh, yes because we were going i think we said this off the air uh before we recorded but i i think it takes the, the basic concept of batman white knight what if a hero's arch villain got his shit together and and does it way better um that that is a very discoursey idea in a way um when this book gets too discoursey it's it's not good but the the overall concept i think uses the discourse mostly to its advantage
0: yeah there are times even before number nine where slot is trying to uh preempt the discourse like in issue three where he's reacting to vulture using children but then the vulture goes um actually what about those teenagers you know like normally there's no reason to bring that up but it feels like slot knows that if he doesn't then some jag off on the internet is going to do that. So it really does feel like slot is putting up those blockers early for better or worse insofar as how that affects the writing. The discourse pilled nature of this comic is on the sleeve. It's very, very apparent. I think, you know, like reading it back 10 years later, you can definitely see how this book altered slot's mind in many ways and yeah i guess that's something for for part two to really start exploring but uh yeah yeah anything else to say about the discourse pilled nature of superior spider-man no that's all right well that is it for part one of superior spider-man part two is not coming out next week it's probably not even coming out next month uh we're actually going to take a a while uh, to come back to part two because there's uh, a lot of stuff that we want to cover and research. Uh, and the other thing I want to wait for is for this Miss Marvel thing to finally come to a conclusion. So we can actually talk a bit about that too. And so for part two, we're going to be talking about, of course, the back half of Superior Spider-Man, but also things like the nature of superhero deaths and how they factor into speculation you know the idea of these canon events uh, to drop some spider-verse terminology here and how that affects the half-lives of new heroes uh, and how to break the soap opera cycle of modern big two comics Uh, and finally also how superior spider-man broke slot and what superior spider-man meant for the nature of of the closeness of fans and
1: writers. Yeah, I'm not... I haven't been reading superhero comics regularly for a while, and I probably won't ever again, but I do think it's really fascinating how this serves as a a lens or a prism, as it were, into understanding these issues, because this does dictate a lot of other pop culture as well.
0: Yeah, it's... It's weird that Superior Spider-Man is, in some ways, the most influential Big Two comic of the past decade. It, it really does expose a lot of the nature of direct market comics in a way that yeah. a few other comics do. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. interesting. Well, let's uh, do our tastemaker's grab bag then. So, as you know, uh, on Midnight Grappler Animals, we have a little segment where we talk about stuff that we've been playing, reading, watching, uh, engaging with, uh, that you should probably check out too. Salt, what do you have for us this week?
1: Actually, I have two. I realized I wanted to add one. Um, so I, wa- I got the Criterion Collection, the the, 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 the streaming service. Uh, It's great, a lot of good stuff on there. It's just started to scratch the surface, but one of the first things I watched was The Heroic Trio. Have you seen this? Yes, the Johnny Toe classic. Yes, it rocks. Uh, It's got young Michelle Yeoh, uh, a lot of other stars in it. It's very much riffing on Tim Burton Batman, but combining that with Hong Kong cop action movies, uh, it rules. Uh, it just You need to see it. If if you like action movies, if you like superhero movies, if you don't like superhero movies especially, you need to watch this. Um, the other wreck is Dune. Uh, Dune? We've talked Which about Dune, Dune before. Uh, Dune the book, the very first book. I am about 10% through it, and I would usually re- wait to be farther into something before I recommended it. But we are fairly certain we are doing a Dune episode down the line. Yes. Uh, hopefully, with some very exciting guests. Um, so I'm telling you now because I'm a slow reader. It's a it's a quick read but a long book. If you catch my drift, if you if you want to be caught up on what we're talking about, I would recommend starting Dune. It's it's fucking sick. I I'm really enjoying it. Nice, nice. And what do you recommend, Lan?
0: So I've got three things this week. Technically more, if you. If you granularize it. But the first thing I, I want to recommend is uh, various Ultraman stuff. Uh, I figured that with the new season of Ultraman starting... Um, well, having started uh, last week. But uh, I would get back into Ultraman. Because uh, Ultraman's one of those things where I've watched the original series. I've watched Ultra 7. But I haven't really engaged with any of the new generation stuff. Uh, aside from like a couple episodes, so I figured I'd start from the very beginning of the current uh, era of Ultraman, if you will. The new generation stuff with Ultraman Ginga. Uh, Ultraman Ginga, to sell it in one sentence, it is, what if you try to save the entire franchise of Ultraman with ten actors, two sets, and a bunch of suits that you found in a random warehouse that you didn't know you had access to. It's 11 episodes. Uh, it's really, really charming. And I can see how they managed to revive the entire franchise with that. After that, I watched uh, Ginga S, which is... Uh, I mean, you can watch it if you want, but it's, it's a pretty rote, uh, regular season of Ultraman. And then I'm currently watching Ultraman X, which has been pretty good so far. Uh, so that's that but uh, the thing that I actually do want to recommend is uh, Ultraman Blazer Uh, it's the current uh, season of Ultraman at the time of this recording it started two weeks ago there's two episodes out right now it's pretty good so far and uh, if you have never watched Ultraman ever before I think it's a really good jumping on spot
1: there's the Ultraman Festival here in San Francisco next weekend so I'll probably be there checking out a few of movies
0: nice uh, but yeah, that's it for Ultraman stuff. And then uh, I've been playing the new Mario Kart DLC. There's two cups, the Feather Cup and the Cherry Cup. The Cherry Cup is honestly the weakest cup that I've played in all these DLC tracks. Uh, but I would recommend that you play this wave if you have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and you have the uh, DLC Pass. The final thing I have to recommend this week is Puyo Puyo Tetris. Do you know what Puyo Puyo is? No. It's... uh it? Have you played Dr. Mario? Yes. It's very similar to Dr. Mario, but this game takes Puyo Puyo and Tetris and mixes them together. Uh, There's, like, a whole campaign mode. Uh, It's, again, very charming, very fun, very bite-sized, too, which is great for me, uh, since I'm kind of just looking for a quick play thing while I... uh, wait for my copy of ghost trick that has been stuck in customs for about two weeks now <laughs> so why don't uh, you just download it uh i like having things physical that's smart yeah I and, that. uh and ghost Trick feels like one of those things that could go missing at any given moment so i figured it's better to get the physical than trust a digital thing for that one um But yeah, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Very fun game. If you like puzzle games, if you like Tetris, if you like Puyo Puyo, if you like either or, uh, you should definitely check it out if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, that's it for my Tastemaker's Grab Bag selections this week. And that's the end of our Tastemaker's Grab Bag uh, selections for this week.
1: And that is the end of part one of our Superior Spider-Man read-through. We'll be back when we be back we'll we'll be back eventually with part 2 yeah
0: and until then if you're listening to the public episode uh, did you know that we have a patreon where you can pay a dollar a month to get our show notes 5 dollars a month to get you two bonus episodes a month plus uh, regular episodes a week early could you what? believe that and also nah, I voting can barely power it. the power of democracy so uh all of all of if, if you like what we're doing and you want to support us uh please join our patreon but if you don't want to support us financially which is fine we don't take that personally uh please on your podcast app of choice uh, leave us a good review only a good review though if you have uh comments or suggestions uh, you can email us at our email, midnightgrappleranimals at gmail.com. But if if you have nice things to say, please go on your favorite podcast app of choice and uh, leave us a good review so uh, we can reach more ears with our yeah uh, Yeah, our I, I can
1: get it started for you. It's like, oh, wow, what an exciting show. These these guys might not be good at math, but they, they do funny bits and they sound really handsome. Like, see, you could just write that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one, especially the math bit there. If you have Twitter, you can follow just me. Uh, if you want to know why Salt doesn't have a Twitter, listen to our most recent bonus episode. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at LanTweets, L-A-N-T-W-E-E-T-S. But if you're sorely in demand for, for posts from Salt... Uh, we're both now on Blue Sky, uh, a platform that already has its own problems, but hopefully will be fixed soon. Blue Sky Devs, if you are somehow listening to this, fix your shit. Salt is saltmbank at bluesky.social. Uh, S A L T M B A N K. And I am Lan Skeets at Blue Sky Social. L A N S K E E T S. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Thanks again for listening. We hope you come
2: back for part two and keep on grappling. Thanks.